0: This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Russia accused America of, quote, intentionally adding fuel to the fire by promising to send precision-guided rocket systems to Ukraine as part of a new $700 million military aid package. The Kremlin said such support would hinder Ukraine's willingness to negotiate for peace. On Wednesday, Germany pledged to send an advanced air defense system of its own to Ukraine. Meanwhile, Russian forces have gained control of about 70% of the industrial city of Severodonetsk in eastern Ukraine, according to the region's governor. And Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, claims that about 200,000 Ukrainian children have been taken forcibly into Russian territory since the war began. President Joe Biden is expected to call for stricter gun laws in a speech on Thursday evening. His address follows three mass shootings in 18 days in Buffalo, New York, Uvalde, Texas, and Tulsa, Oklahoma, that together left 35 people dead. A bipartisan group of senators is trying to forge a deal on gun control, though opposition from most Republicans renders the prospect of a major breakthrough remote. America imposed fresh sanctions on Russian elites and identified several yachts in which Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, quote, has an interest. Among the targets was a Monaco-based yacht brokerage. Also named was Sergei Roldugin, a cellist and director of the St. Petersburg Music House, whom the Treasury Department called Mr. Putin's offshore money manager. Separately, the European Union dropped Patriarch Krill, the head of the Russian Orthodox Church, from its forthcoming sanctions package amid opposition from Hungary. Mr. Biden will soon visit Saudi Arabia, several news outlets reported, three years after he vowed to isolate the kingdom over the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. The reproachment comes amid Mr. Biden's campaign to boost oil output and reduce prices. On Thursday, the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries and its Allies which include Russia, agreed to raise production by almost 650,000 barrels per day in July and by a similar amount in August. The government of Yemen and the country's Houthi rebels agreed to extend their ceasefire by two months, the UN announced. Mr. Biden praised the, quote, courageous leadership of Saudi Arabia in implementing the UN-brokered deal, which was first agreed in April and was set to expire on Thursday. Mr. Biden also said that Egypt, Oman, and Jordan had played key roles in facilitating the truce. Wang Yi, China's minister for foreign affairs, wrapped up an ambitious trip through eight of the Pacific Island nations without striking the comprehensive security deal he had sought. Samoa said the 10 countries' concerned should discuss it separately. Mr. Wang soldiered on, signing lesser deals and signalling China's expanded interest in the region. An accord with the Solomon Islands in April sent Western governments scrambling. America's Education Department forgave $5.8 billion in federal student loans held by 560,000 former students of Corinthian colleges, a for-profit chain of universities that folded in 2015. This marks the largest chunk of student debt the government has erased. It is being asked to cancel much more. Corinthian, which had 105 campuses in 25 states, misled students by fudging its graduation rates and other deceptive marketing. And fact of the day, 12, the number of recessions America has suffered since 1945.
1: And now here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Could Uvalde be different? Perversely, mass shootings aid America's gun control movement. Suicide, domestic, and gang shootings claim many more lives. Yet large-scale killing, which accounts for a fraction of firearm deaths, makes headlines, inspires outrage, and spurs activism. Thus, the window after massacres is a time for campaigners to make their case. On Friday, Americans will mark National Gun Violence Awareness Day. Will the tragedy in Uvalde, as well as a shooting in Tulsa, Oklahoma on Wednesday that left four dead, galvanize action in Congress? A bipartisan group of senators is trying to negotiate a deal to overcome the filibuster. Among the proposals are incentives for states to enact red-flag laws, which let authorities remove guns from people who have behaved threateningly. Also under discussion are stronger background checks for buyers and requirements for safe storage. Gun-loving Republicans want to fund mental health treatment and school safety instead. That is avoiding the most obvious solution. America's job markets come off the boil. Companies normally want to see a strong labor market as evidence of a robust economy. But when America releases its monthly payroll data on Friday, many hope to see weakness. Analysts reckon that about 325,000 jobs were created in May, down from 430,000 in April. If so, it would be a sign that America's ultra-tight labor market may be cooling, a necessary development if inflation is to decelerate. There are nearly two jobs available for every unemployed person in America, a record high. From trucking companies to restaurants, managers complain that it is hard to find workers, even after offering hefty wages. Workers themselves are unhappy because their inflation-adjusted earnings have fallen. Some analysts have thought the labor market would heal as the pandemic receded and more people returned to work. Now, though, it looks like only an economic slowdown will do the trick. The question is how steep it will be. Financing the WHO The World Health Organization has long felt its financial hands tied. Until recently, the WHO was free to spend just 22% of its two-yearly budget, which most recently stood at $5.84 billion. Everything else was earmarked for specific projects, such as fighting malaria or anti-tobacco initiatives. That meant that when an epidemic like Ebola or a pandemic such as COVID-19 emerged, the organization had to go begging for money. It also hindered the WHO from prioritizing long-term outbreak preparations over popular short-term projects. That may all now change. In late May, the World Health Assembly, which oversees the WHO, decided to fundamentally change its funding model. By 2030-31, the WHO will be free to spend half of its budget the way it sees fit. The change is a vote of confidence for the WHO's Director General, Tedros Adenon Gabrielsis, who recently won a second five-year term. It is perhaps also a tacit admission that the agency was not well prepared for a pandemic. Facebook's Podcast Pivot On Friday, Meta, the parent company of Facebook, will begin shutting down its homegrown podcast platform. Facebook launched its audio hub in April 2021, just as podcasts were surging in popularity and valuations amid the pandemic. In 2020, Amazon, Spotify, and SiriusXM spent hundreds of millions of dollars on popular shows and networks in early 2021 clubhouse a buzzy startup which hosts live audio conversations reached a four billion dollar valuation but despite its massive user base meta failed to become an audio giant today it is shifting its focus investing in short video to compete with tiktok which is growing furiously while Facebook's user base stagnates. Meta is grappling with other changes, too. Sheryl Sandberg, the longtime chief operating officer, will leave the firm in autumn. Her departure may foreshadow an even greater investment in the immersive experiences promised by the metaverse, as the new name of Facebook's parent company suggests. Chronicling the Life of Siegfried Sassoon During the early years of the First World War, Siegfried Sassoon was an enthusiastic, patriotic fighter. But the British poet quickly developed a deep cynicism about the conflict. Within two years of his terrible ordeal in the trenches on the Western Front, he would write, For death has made me wise and bitter and strong and I am rich in all that I have lost. Benediction, a new biographical film about Sassoon, arrives in American cinemas on Friday. It was released in Britain on May 20th. The film follows the writer as he is sent to a military psychiatric facility for criticizing the war, chronicling Sassoon's friendship with Wilfred Owen, another famous poet, his relationships with men, and his later marriage to Hester Gaddy. Sassoon died in 1967, but his writing retains its haunting power. His reflections on the pointlessness and suffering of war seem particularly prescient today. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quiz Espresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Friday Which singer with hits such as Mambo Italiano and This Old House starred opposite Bing Crosby in the film White Christmas? Thursday Which favorable French ski resort close to the Italian border was the childhood home of Triple Olympic champion Jean-Claude Killy? The winners of last week's crossword Thank you to everyone who took part in our new weekly crossword published in the weekend edition of Espresso. The winners, chosen at random from each continent, were Asia Rajesh Rahman Singapore, North America, Jaime Jean, Mexico City, Mexico, Central and South America, Ishmael Romero, San Salvador, El Salvador, Europe, Tim G.A. Vink, The Hogue, Netherlands, Africa, Caroline Gretschke, Cape Town, South Africa, Oceania, Olivia Jevons, Sydney, Australia, They all gave the correct answer of Ramsbottom, Rishi, BASF, and Mayer. Finally, here's the quote of the day, from Josephine Baker, who was born on this day in 1906. You must learn to protect yourself with the pen and not the gun. That's the World in Brief from The Economist